You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. Throw down $5 on an NFL game coming up right here. And you know what? If you win any of those, you get $280 in free plays. That's simple. That easy. All right. With John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. Robbie's in here. Scott's in here. Nick's in here. Alfred is all in here. Everybody in here. Make your way in here as quickly as possible. Uh, Robbie also just said she's going to be listening while walking the doggo. My biggest takeaways, especially when the other team's bigs are in foul trouble and threes aren't falling, take the ball inside. You know what, Robbie? You are a valued listener for a long time because I'm going to echo those sentiments in just a second. All right. First and foremost, Schuster, ASU should be better than they are. We're going to get to that in a moment. But I came away with one takeaway from this game, and I believe that I am right about this takeaway. I am not playing Azulis Tabellis anymore until he is 100% healthy. This was the second straight game where he was clearly, you know, when he was under the basket, he was praying that that ball went in. And if you don't and, you know, this is a guy that they need to be good. I much preferred when they had Ballo and Coloco out there at the same time. So I, my big takeaway from this game, and there's other things, obviously, I am sitting, I am sitting Coloco until he's, a, or not Coloco, uh, Tabellis until he's 100% healthy. Go. What do you think is the reason that Arizona isn't? Because, because you know, we, we talked about this a week ago when the ankle tweaked on him. It's like, and and I remember talking on this platform about how I, I don't think I would have played him against UCLA until I was sure, because this is a long-term you're playing for a long-term investment thing here. And, you know, even if it's not a serious injury, you want to be as sure as possible. So why do you, th- if it looks like to us in a couple of games, and we're picking out this specific thing at the moment that y- y- Tabella seems off kilter. Frankly, Arizona as a team seems off kilter right now. But mm-hmm. Tabellus being off kilter is something that you can pinpoint to perhaps an injury that took place a week ago. So why is the coaching staff deciding to play him at this stage? Uh, that is the question that, you know what, if I was all knowing, I would uh, be able to tell you I don't get it because he moves okay, but man, he looks aimless out there. 
Like when he gets the ball under the basket in the past, he's always been fairly efficient with his ability to be able to finish around the hoop. Um, you know, use his body to get an angle with the shoulder. But when he gets it now, he's just kind of throwing it up and it's like, all right, well, it didn't go in. And ASU clearly did not take him seriously in this game. Not only that, they were playing about 15 feet off of him. And when he got the ball down low, it was a, a situation where, all right, we're going to block you and go the other way. So I don't know. But I did notice when, when they brought in Ballo and Ballo and Coloco in there, I noted, I mean, again, Arizona didn't look great. But it certainly was more formidable because you actually had to guard two people down there. And it's an example, at least, of Arizona having a variety of options that they can go to to try to ultimately figure out what was going on. I can safely say that this game did not go the way that I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even in the early stages, Arizona's strategy was good. Press ASU, team that commits a lot of turnovers. Sure enough, ASU committed a bunch of turnovers. And Arizona still couldn't really get anything consistently in transition. And their offense was a mess, which is now two games in a row. Consider a week ago, Arizona was, what, the number two scoring team in the country, averaging about 90 points a game. And in the last two games, they've averaged a lot closer to 65. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the defense is there. And, you know, the defensive numbers in the last two games have been pretty good. 75 against UCLA is a number that, given the style that Arizona plays, you ought to be able to win. You got the W today against ASU by giving up, uh, you know, in the mid to high 50s. And uh, so so, so that's fine. But it was it, it definitely didn't look good. ASU was very spirited. And I liked their game plan. I, they didn't have a lot of tools to work with, but they were able to stay around as a result of being spirited. And for the second game in a row, disrupting enough on the defensive end where Arizona never really looked comfortable on its offensive end. And that's obviously something that uh, the Wildcats have to get squared away. And I think there are a variety of reasons for that, that go from what you're doing wrong and what the other team is doing right. Uh, But it's something that Arizona, I think, is capable of correcting, but needs to um, engage in some reflection here to get back on track. This is where the Arizona team also has its first, um, this is really their first uh, adversity of the season. I mean, you know, let's be honest. The Tennessee game was weird because we even talked about it in the post game. I don't think that anybody came away from that game overly concerned, mainly because Arizona played poorly and they got jobbed obviously in Tennessee and it still felt like Arizona was a significantly better team. These last two games for Arizona, quite frankly, have been crap. Uh, it, it, it appears that, uh, there are other, the scouting report is out and teams have been able to figure out ways to negate what it is that Arizona does. You know, Hey, the coaches across from, you know what they're doing too. And they've got enough film on Arizona and they can try to exploit some differences. And the Wildcats have some spots on this one right now. They're playing like paper Wildcats. And it's a matter of toughening up and being a lot more crisp in what it is that you do. Uh, to get back to where it is that Arizona is comfortable. And I think there was someone, one of our regulars, made a comment in in the last show about uh, how important it is for teams to get Arizona into the half court. And ASU's transition defense was very effective in this game. Arizona had to function in the half court and clearly didn't function very well. And once the opposition forced Arizona into taking – or baited Arizona into taking threes, depending on how you want to interpret that. 
uh, once the cats couldn't hit those, it just spiraled on them, and they weren't able to get into any kind of a consistent comfort zone to be uh, effective at all throughout the course of the game on the offensive end. They were constantly off kilter. And a lot of that credit is to an ASU team that looked better than its record. They're limited, but they look better than their record. And an Arizona team that uh, isn't playing at the level that it needs. What is your take on this? And I was going to go in here as well. Uh, Alfred, Alfred Chavez, great dude. He said, why keep th- shooting threes if they aren't falling? Uh, see, uh, uh, CB3 them and shoot the mid-range jumper. Oh, I got you right there. Um, couple questions. First, what do you do? I think it's a good question. Where first and foremost, what do you do right there, Schuster? Because like a guy like Kerr, I mean, that's exactly what he's he's gonna do, but I mean his shots just aren't falling. I know he made a couple, but you know, okay. you just keep going. No, sometimes yes, but in, in these situations when there's nuance into involved. There, there's it's and beyond that, it's it's one of those things where you can see that mentally, when they weren't hitting threes, it became an issue. And then in the second half, they started to stall a little bit and pause on taking those threes. So I think mm. you need to do two things, and they're very basic and relatively simple. You need to cut harder and throw crisper passes. Arizona has gotten away from that very from 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 those very simple things. Their ball movement is not nearly what it was in the early stages of this season, and that is something that makes them effective. So what's happened a lot is that they've bogged down into a lot more of a one-on-one style, and you've got some little things in different places that aren't quite connecting the way you'd like. You mentioned Tabellus feels a little bit off. When Coloco gets the ball on the inside, he doesn't move fast enough. So he'll get the ball, kind of look around, try to figure out where he is, and by that time he's double teamed, and then it's a problem. And then the offense kind of, what he probably ought to do, if it isn't there immediately, you just kick it back out and start again. Their ability to move the ball from side to side and to cut to the basket has been limited as well. And I think their passing game has really suffered. And and, and they haven't figured out in two games how how to deal with being defended on the point of entry. UCLA and ASU have both been much more sticky about how close they're willing to defend the guard. Mm-hmm. And that has made it difficult for Arizona to get into the kind of flow that it wants. Then what happens is that you have a variety of different things going on. Creasa forces a three. Larson is afraid to shoot a 15-footer or a three-pointer. Uh, Ballo and Coloco are a little off-kilter on the inside. Tabellus is off his game, and Matherin's trying too hard. So right. there, there, there are these elements to where Arizona's smooth offense was very effective and defense is in a bad spot. Now they have all these little jigsaw pieces that aren't connecting as well as they were earlier on. And they have to kind of, I think, get back to basics to try to figure out what it was doing and what they were doing well to get the offense that we've come to expect back on track. Question from Sarah Beth Greer, and this was also in my uh, in my notes. The people on here are smarter than us because they get to the points before we even get to the points. That's why we appreciate all the comments right here. She said, it feels like the team as a whole is just fatigued. What's going on to reignite the fire? You know, there is a little bit of that going on there, Shu. It looks like, you know, I watched the first half there, and then I scurried home because we had to hop right on here. But they look they look lethargic at times. They don't. <sighs> I think what you're, I think this is, this is not necessarily uncommon in late January in college basketball. Right. This is to use a 
to, to use basketball terminology, they, these are sort of the dog days of college, ba- uh, college basketball and baseball that happens in August, you know, the dog days of August here. It's sort of like that window from the middle of January until about the middle of February, where you get a lot of teams, I think, that, that, that are highly ranked that are ripe for the picking that they're going to get upset and they're going to get knocked off here and there. And then by the time you get to mid-February, you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. The conference tournaments are two or three weeks away. And then, you know, obviously it's NCAA tournament time. I think this window is difficult for a lot of teams. Now, from the simplest perspective, Arizona, after a four-day break, and being relatively embarrassed and playing poorly at UCLA had no excuse to look as poor as it did today. They should have blown UCLA, uh, or rather ASU, out of the building. Correct. And I was, I was admittedly surprised that that did not happen. This game went in an entirely different direction than I expected. And is part of it fatigue? I think you could argue the fatigue thing more effectively after the UCLA game. And, and Mike, that was something that even you and I discussed a, a little bit. Three games in five days, all on the coast in California. You know, maybe that wears on you a little bit, especially when the season's been inconsistent. Right, you but know, I you still, got, I, I hear that, and I'm sure there is some of that involved, but I've oh, I've never really liked that because, it, again, it looks like, again, it, it does, and it's a very valid question because it, the team looks somewhat lethargic out there. But, again, these are 21, 20, or, you know, 20-year-old kids out there. If you're having to play the three games in six days or whatever the case may be, I've never really subscribed to the theory that, you know what, you should be tired because of that. Because Again, if you're a 37-year-old NBA veteran and they're resting you on back-to-backs, I get that. But this out here feels like, I don't know, is it just a combination of if Tabellus isn't right, that it just kind of, it's kind of that downward spiral that affects everybody else? Well, I think, uh, I, I'm guessing there are a variety of things going on here. Uh you pointed out that Tabellus appears off his game. I don't think that's the entire trickle down. I think that's one thing that limits what it is that Arizona would like to be able to do offensively. And hopefully as the season moves along, he can get that corrected. But I think teams uh, in the guard positions are making a much more concerted effort to make it difficult for Arizona to get into its offense. We've talked a lot on this show about how Difficult it is for Creasa to be effective on the defensive end. What these teams are trying to do now is making it equally ineffective for him on the offensive end. And and Arizona has a lot of spots on the floor where that ball movement that we became accustomed to just isn't happening right now. And they aren't. Ma- it's not that they aren't making passes. The passes aren't really leading to anything. Which right. is what we've seen from other teams, and we don't expect. Where it's just kind of passing, just to pass because I have to pass. Yeah. There's no real move. There's no real strategy behind it. I agree and again, I put this down to two fairly simple things. You've got to pass with more conviction, and because a lot Arizona has almost, it seems like pass the ball for the purpose of passing the ball because coach tells you you're kind of supposed to pass the ball so they're taking passing for granted and then the passes are lazy and people get cut into the lane look at larson larson's another guy who by the way i think has regressed over the course of the last 10 days for whatever reason uh but on the perimeter 
Yeah, there was a sequence where I think he got the ball, kind of held it out there. There was an ASU defender about five feet away from him, and then he kind of looks around, expects to pass it to the side because that's, you know, what you're supposed to do in this offense. And uh, then some, the ASU guy just takes it from him, goes for a breakaway dunk. Um, you've seen Carissa get a bunch of passes just kind of deflected at yeah. this stage out on the perimeter. Same thing to some degree with Terry. Matherin's completely off his game right now. Matherin, we, we've, we've talked about how – in the UCLA game, we talked about how bad Crease's shooting was, and that carried over for today. Today, you're talking about how Tabellus looks like somebody who maybe isn't at 100%. Matherin's, had, Matherin's in a weird pocket, too, mm. that, 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 that he also needs to work his way through. And one thing that I'd suggest with him is how about a little less complaining to the referee and a little bit more of just getting to play what you're supposed to do as far as the offense is concerned. That's that's exactly, that's exactly the case right there. When you get a guy like him who is really, really good, you don't need to be complaining to the official the entire game. Second of all, too, and it kind of rubbed me wrong a little bit because, you know, I was back and I was watching the second half at home, but when you're flexing in front of the, uh, the camera, when you're beating ASU at home by one, that always, to me, is a little bit of a... That's absurd. Yeah, that's a little absurd. All right, one thing that's not absurd, though, is the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Here's the deal. You throw down $5 on an NFL game coming up tomorrow. Got two really good games right here. You got the Chiefs and the Bengals, and you've got the Rams and the Niners. Throw down $5 on that game, and you know what? If you win, again, new customers only... You get $280 in free plays. It's that simple. It's that easy. You know what? You got to, I would probably go and take it for what it's worth. I like the Rams. I like the Chiefs. So you know what? If you're saying, what would Mike Luke do? That's what he would do now. Take that uh, for what it's worth. Again, 21 and up, Arizona only. Eligibility restrictions do apply. If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. They'll get you back on your feet and back to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. All right, let's get to some questions here. All right, Chad McDaniels, um, or Chad McDonald's, uh, he's he follows me on Twitter. He's a big Umar Ballo fan. I want to get to that. Can you play Umar Ballo and Christian Coloco 25 minutes a game on the court at the same time, Shu? I don't know if you can do a 25, maybe. Right. Uh, but I, I, I would expect it somewhere closer to the high teens. And mm. I think it's potentially effective, and I like that they've tried that. I think earlier in the year, you and I didn't expect that that would be a combination that we'd see. And I'm pleased that Lloyd has shown a willingness to give that a try. And it was largely effective. Uh, Arizona in the second half was much better. Again, in the second half of this game, Arizona was really good defensively. Mm. I think ASU scored, what, in the low 20s? Right. Uh, maybe mid twenties when you know that you you hold a team score again. ASU scored fifty seven points. It's not like you know. It's not like those numbers on that side of the floor. And, and that thing right now, oddly enough, we thought that'd be an an area of concern for this Arizona team. We talk about how they're not tough. Right now, they're oddly not tough on the offensive end, but defensively, in both second halves of these uh, frustrating games. They've is been pretty team- good, and they were good today. And I think on from a rebounding standpoint, Ballo and Coloco have been pretty effective and make things obviously difficult at times for the opposition. Aaron Walsh says, what can coach do different in practice or, if anything, to help shooting and flow during games? I think you can help flow to a certain extent. You can't help shooting. And I, I like what Lloyd has done here. I've been asking what exactly you do with Kerr. And honestly, at this stage in the game, you got to let Kerr be. You got to let Kerr Creesa be Kerr Creesa. Again, I would uh, I would caution him to settle down a little bit. 
but you know, maybe not take as many contested shots, but you're going to live by it. You're going to die by it. So I'm totally okay with that. I think the flow is a little bit more of what Schuster was getting to though, where you can easily tell it when you're watching basketball, if you're just going through the motions or you're actually looking to attack via the pass and Arizona for the last two games has looked like they were just going through the motions. And you've talked about it before. And I think you'd, uh, um, you have a, uh, you have an interest in Gonzaga hoops and, uh, you've been proven right on, uh, uh, as opposed to me over the years, but tell the people out there that haven't heard this before about what enamors you about the Gonzaga offense from the, from the passing angles to the, because I think that's kind of uh, conducive to what Tommy Lloyd's trying to do here. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think a lot of folks and obviously the folks who are uh, watching this and in the chat room right now are very aware that they liked what they saw offensively for Arizona through most of the year up until the last couple games. Uh, so I, I think they have a pretty good idea of what's worked. And, and it's an interesting combination of simplicity, but utilizing ball movement. And but I think it feels to me like Arizona now is in this weird con game mode and they need to get back into a different con game. And that con game is conviction. They need to be convicted to quick passes with purpose and they need to be convicted to passing the ball and, and ball movement as well, moving away from the ball. They can do those two things. I think they can get uh, back into a comfort zone. Also, one of your, um, one of the folks underneath, and you um, uh, mentioned the CP3 guy, and I apologize that I don't recall the name. Alfred Chavez. That's helpful. Uh, talked about the mid-range game. This is something that frustrates the crap out of me, too. I don't understand, and part of this is analytics-based. And part of this is also that there are seven-footers who can extend a little bit further and make a mid-range jumper a little bit difficult than it used to be. But that's not always the case. And if you have an opening from 15 to 17 feet, bleep and take it. Right. But a lot of the analytics are going to tell you, you might as well shoot the three-pointer a few feet back and go from there. What's happened with Arizona is that a 34% three-point shooting team has shot at a point where they wish they were shooting 34% from three in right. the last couple of games. They're not a great shooting team. You've talked about this, Mike, on a number of occasions. Arizona does a lot of things well, but they're not a great they're good. They've got some guys who can hit. They, they, they got some guys who can hit threes and be very effective. Matherin can hit threes. Carissa uh, can. But they're hit rhythm threes. threes. You don't have a lot of pure shooters. And out they're out there, of rhythm right yeah. now. This is a team that from three point range is out of rhythm. But because the other teams have done a nice job of making things difficult for them to get the flow, they've fallen into a pattern of the three is the only thing available. So they love the idea of the three and. And I completely agree with the individual who mentioned that comment about trying to find some openings from a mid-range game standpoint. If you can't, even now Coloco's shot was weird, but Coloco hits a 13-foot runner. That's mm. not a bad little shot. You right. ought to, there ought to be a number of guys on this team who can hit that shot if it's given to them. And if you're defending Arizona tight on the inside and trying to bait them into shooting threes because you think that's one of their more effective possibilities, you're going to have some mid-range openings there that hopefully you'd be able to take advantage of and try to get back into some sort of rhythm and flow. All right, so a couple questions here. They're asking now, where does Arizona rank? I think Arizona is going to stick. I, I, I agree with KB Thiel right here. I think Arizona is going to be somewhere between that you know, that seven and nine range. I don't see him dropping anything beyond that. I could even see him being at six. You got to remember out here, people, that Arizona still only got two losses this season. I mean, you know, you're looking at 17 and two right now. So, you know, I, I would put it somewhere right there. Okay, here's the question, though, that I got. Is this team a good ball handling team? 
I hadn't really thought about that, but when you look at it, Kirk Carissa as a point guard is an average ball handler as a point as point guards go. Now, granted, he's better than a center, obviously, but is there really anybody on this team that you look at and say they're a really th- slick ball handler? Oh, uh, wait a second. Three losses. No, there's only two. Yeah, they only have the two losses right now. Nick, Nick, Nick. Come on, Nick. He, he was looking. He, Nick views this game as a loss. As a loss, okay. Play uh, but, but the record isn't ultimately going to show that, I think. Never, nevertheless, I think Matherin's probably their best ball handler. Right. Uh, but that's not necessarily something that – it's not an Arizona strength, and I think other teams are going to try to press them into some difficult position. Creasa is now a guy who is going to face pressure individually on both sides of the floor. Up until this point, we saw him struggle defensively because other teams recognized maybe there's something we can exploit. <laughs> teams are going to try to do it on the offensive end now because, like you, they aren't entirely sure that he's a particularly good ball handler. Right. Basically, Arizona has to be a good passing team, and it negates a lot of that ball handling thing. And Arizona was a very good to exceptional passing basketball team through most of the year until this pocket. And again, what's happening is the defenses are extending a little bit further and trying to make it difficult on the perimeter guys at the point of attack to get the passes that they want. And it has been effective in the last two games in causing more consternation than the Wildcats would like in their half-court offense. And that's got to get corrected. And it gets corrected by just making just being con- uh, committed to it again and cutting without the ball. You do those two things, and I think a lot of the rhythm is going to return. All right. Now, one thing, though, that you don't have to worry about with the rhythm is the DraftKings Sportsbook app. One more read here. Code word PHNX. You throw down $5 on a game tomorrow, you got $280 in free plays. And you know what? If you win that $280, maybe you say to yourself, you know what? Hmm. I don't believe Tom Brady's retiring. There's now mixed reports about this, which I'm going to get Schuster's prediction on this later. I'm going to stick. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to win this money and I'm going to hold on to it. You can do that at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. They want your money, but you know what? If you want to sit on it for a little bit, there's no pressure. And you know what, Schuster, real quick, and then we got to get back to this uh, this game. Who do you like tomorrow? If you were putting down money as a new customer, which you are not on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Um, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm yielding to you because I took my lumps today because I thought Arizona was going to win convincingly. So DraftKings got my free bet and my halftime live bet at 11 and a half. Now the, lifetime, the, the, the halftime live bet annoyed me because guess what the final margin was? Huh. 11. Right. And I was not terribly enamored with this. So this was not a good, it was a good day for DraftKings from a shoe standpoint, but it was not a good day for shoe utilizing the DraftKings app. All right, let's get to some more questions here. KB Thiel, I actually like that we're struggling. It will push us to get better. I want to see just about everything you can throw at us by March. I think there's something to be said for that, where, you know what, you don't want to go into March is, and I always feel that this happens with Syracuse during the uh, out-of-conference play before they hit the ACC. Um, now, it's a little bit different, obviously, but I think you want to know, because your weaknesses at some point are going to get exposed. And this team isn't, you know, 1991 UNLV, where it's like, eh, there really aren't any. I mean, they're all weaknesses on this team. Now I think it's to Tommy Lloyd, and I know this sounds super cliche, bear down harder type thing, but... Now it's up to Tommy Lloyd, I think, to be able to make that counter move because I think he's probably seen that, you know, teams are going to get physical with Carissa. 
Teams are going to say, you know what, we're going to let you shoot. Now it's up to Tommy Lloyd to make that next move there, Shu. Yeah, and, and and that's right. We'll see how good a counterpuncher he is. This is inevitable. And I, I, I think Mr. Thiel is right there, that this is a good time for Arizona to be challenged in this regard. And to be to to come out of this game a lot more perplexed than you would have expected. I think a lot of us came into this game thinking that Arizona would dominate from the get-go and win this going away by 40, because against lesser teams this year, that's exactly what Arizona has done. They've mm. been a great front runner that has dominated poor basketball uh, teams that are inferior to them. ASU falls under that category. ASU was plucky and very effective and spirited today. Uh, if you're doing the ASU post-game show, conversely, you're frustrated that uh, Arizona went to the line a hell of a lot in this game. Uh, but if you're looking for a silver lining from Arizona's standpoint, they made a hell of a lot of free throws too. And that's very helpful. So if Arizona can get things on the inside enough to, to make that happen, that's good. But it doesn't, you, you know, it doesn't solve the flow on the offense. Teams, uh, Lloyd is probably well aware that teams are going to try to be a lot more physical with Arizona and try to disrupt things on the offensive end. And yeah, now it's up to him to get back to basics and figure out what that is to do about. And one of the things he may do in practice, I don't know how they lay out practice, is how many guys do you have on this team that are particularly physical? Right. You've got, or athletic enough to be disruptors. Right. Terry, Kyer. You know, there might be some other guys who... I'm glad you mentioned Kyer. My point here, though, before you get to that, is that maybe in practice you can put those guys on defense to try to simulate how tough it is that you need to be on offense to ultimately be effective. All right, let's get to Kyer. I like Kyer. I wish Kyer would play more, to be honest with you. Um, I think he's he's a nifty ball handler. Um, I always feel good with him being a secondary ball handler, um, especially if he's matched up, obviously, with the shooting guard. He's a decent shooter. The team moves well with him. I just like I, – I like the – how do I put this? There's a sense of comfort for me, I guess, when Kyer's on the court, if that makes any sense. Do you get any of that, or am I just being stupid? No, well, you know, you're not being stupid because you're Mike Luke. You're the guy who runs the show, baby. Uh, stupidity is not part of your vocabulary. It's only part of your vocabulary when you're talking about somebody else who's stupid. I but back Mike the Luke, A. Yes, and backing the A. There's a back the A T-shirt on the draft available on DraftKings. You know what? There isn't a Mike Luke is stupid T-shirt, and there's a reason, there's a reason for, that, for that. Mike Luke is not stupid. I think. Yeah, I I think if Kyer keeps playing the way that he is, he might keep taking minutes from Creasa. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, and hopefully it'll help Creasa get a little bit better in the process here. Again, we like Creasa's emotion. And I think that he's going to have opportunities to make big shots and he wants to make big shots, but he's in a bit of a funk right now. And, you know, again, we're in late January. A lot of teams and a lot of players are in a bit of a funk right now, but hopefully Arizona can work its way through it. Kyer being on hand to help is nice. Arizona has good pieces from a depth standpoint on its bench. And Kyer is one of those guys who's been uh, very helpful. Right. Um, by the way, a lot of people are mentioning uh, defecating instead of shooting, I think, when people are talking about KB Thiel right here. Uh, uh, Kerr poops a million times better when his feet are set. I would, I don't wouldn't know anything about that, uh, Kobe, but I That's would know. kind of I, insider information. That I sounds would. like you know him fairly well, but I will say this, and I think Scott said this earlier as well, mentioned a comment about the defecation process as opposed to the shooting. I think, unlike you guys, I think that he shoots better when his uh, feet are set. What would you say there, Shu? Would you agree? Yeah, or do you want to go the other route? I, I'm 
I'm just going to let you handle this one on your own. Uh, generally speaking, from a fundamental standpoint, uh, if we're talking about shooting, uh, then, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Setting your feet is a good thing. But right now, he's just got to – and, and, and he's got a shooter's mentality, so in the long term, hopefully it's fine. Right. Uh, but you've got to just you got to work your way through rough patches. And he's had a couple games here that have been rough patches. Frustratingly, they've been contagious uh, right. for Arizona as a whole. I mean, you know, it's not like one of the things also separately that Arizona, that that other teams are noticing as well. There's little things here the way that Arizona's being scouted. You get closer to Creesa. You try to double team Coloco when he gets the ball. You're you might put a second defender on Matherin from time to time, mm. and you don't even bother with Dalen Terry. Right. You let If Terry's open, you let him take the shot because you don't think he's going to make a 15-footer, let alone a three-pointer. Conversely, uh, conversely, I love Dalen Terry. Dalen Terry is the guy on the team, and you're exactly right. He can't shoot. We know that. But he's got to be out there. He is the most active player on the team by a mile, whether it's getting rebounds, loose balls, whatever. Dalen Terry feels like he is in the mix of almost every single play out there. And so I love watching him out there, but you're exactly right. Um, he uh, he can't shoot. And you know what? Um, that's something that probably will have to be addressed in the offseason, but your point right there is still taken, though. But it's not going to be addressed now. I mean, uh, the, the, reality, the reality of the situation is that for the remainder of the year, Terry is going to be a remarkably effective player in a lot of ways that does not involve shooting. His his points are going to have to come from junk, which is okay if you can get them, but teams are going to defend him that way, and that's something about which Arizona has to be aware. All right. Everybody out there knows about the COVID-19 vaccine. Here's the deal now. Um, for, uh, let's see, everyone five and older, you're now available. Those 12 and older are now eligible for the booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. If you can uh, if you can do it, feel comfortable with it, make it happen. All right, let's get back to some comments here. Also, I wanted to get a quick little read in here. Never been a better time to subscribe to GoPHNX because here's the deal. You get all the great content, but on top of that, you get a Back the A t-shirt for free. These things are going like hotcakes. Everybody, if you, it's to the point now where everybody knows somebody that has a Back the A t-shirt. And you know, and if you don't, you probably haven't been outside of your house there. So that's 100% what you need to do right there. Get on GoPHNX, get all the membership stuff. That way you can also get the uh, shirt as well. Big deal right there. If all I right. may briefly interject, you mm -hmm. can eat hotcakes. But please don't eat the back the A t-shirts. Do not eat the back the A t-shirt. Although, if there would be a t-shirt that would be good to eat, well, I don't know. That's stupid. Anyway, it was a good I, effort. Uh, it, the, the the point here that Ty Webb makes, by the way, about Tabellus kind of being a trickle down for the rest of the offense, gets back to the point, Mike, that you made at the top of this broadcast. Uh, that it it is interesting that Arizona has decided to play him. At a time where, you know, it, it it does look like that he's just out of rhythm right now. And and I am wondering, like you are, why it is he's seeing the time that he's seeing. Because he's somebody, if, if you, you don't, the UCLA game is a big game here at McHale. 
if Arizona wins that game, they're back on the one or two line again. If they lose mm-hmm. that game, then they're probably not going to catch up to UCLA. UCLA is going to get a fa- favorable seed in the NCAA tournament. And maybe Arizona is now flirting with being a two or three seed in the tournament. That's a big difference. Uh, you like being in one of those top two slots. So it's a big game, and you'd like to have Tabellus there. But you're also talking about a long-term thing here. And, and, and you'd rather have Tabellus at 100% for the NCAA tournament than, than a guy who maybe is continually re-aggravating something because he's playing at a point in time. He isn't just quite at the point that he needs to be right now. Right. So like you, I don't know where this stands in terms of, you know, how his health is. I like that it's not a serious injury, but I want him to get better as well. And there is, I think, an understandable concern that if you keep putting him on the floor before he's absolutely ready, then maybe you're risking something here. All right, Kobe Thiel, I like my Back the A t-shirt. Well done, absolutely. Back the A if you can out there. All right, now we're all, like I said, though, Andre Vera says, we knew teams would do a better job scouting Arizona. Now it's on Lloyd and the coaching staff to adjust, and I have confidence in the coaching staff right here. Again, this wasn't going to be all, uh, this wasn't going to be all uh, hot cakes um, through, <laughs> throughout the season. That's so bad, but... Yeah, I mean, you're going to find out. No, co- everything is copycat. You know, you find out what a person's problem is, or, and then you try to counter that. Then you try to outflank. I'm coming with all these military terms right now, even though I never served in the military. It was very I, impressive. I have been to the Salvation Army. Um, but uh, Have you been to Old Navy? I have been to Old Navy as well, yes. But that's about the closest I've been to actually serving. Um, so, yeah, but I, I have no – I have no – a concern about this because the one thing about Gonzaga, you never come away from that game saying, man, they're really stuck in their ways. They're not going to be able to figure something out. And there'll be a lot of tinkering and done and whatnot. And I'll be honest with you. If this, whenever there was something with a, a Miller team that was an obvious glaring weakness, like, you know, because some of those teams were so talented, sometimes it didn't matter. But um, the one thing I will say is that, Miller was Miller you, you was knew stuck, exactly Miller, there wasn't going to be a change. Miller was stuck in his ways. You knew what he was going to try to do, and teams could continually scout him the same. Yes. And you and 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 what we've seen from Lloyd is a willingness to try different things. And he often tries different things on the fly. And he believes that event eventually the style is going to work and wear down other teams, and they're going to get a W. You know, hey, to his credit, even though they looked poor doing it, it even worked today. Mm. Uh so that's that's good. The weird thing about the last couple of games is that these felt a hell of a lot more like Miller games than they have like Tommy Lloyd games. Right. Uh, and that's been, and that's been a little disconcerting. I think it's almost been like a PTSD flashback to some degree. You mm. hope that Arizona isn't somehow regressing to the previous regime. Uh, but nevertheless, I think, I think you're right. I think there's reason to, it's not like Lloyd and the coaching staff doesn't understand how teams are trying to approach them now. Right Now it's up to them and and folks in the comments have made this, uh, are, are, are spot on making this. It's up to Arizona to make the necessary adjustments. I think they've got the personnel to do it, which is helpful. Now they've got to be able to execute and get it done. All right. We're going to be back with you next week. Um, UCLA game coming up. We've got a lot in between. Going to be talking a lot of football. Got a lot of recruiting stuff to be going through here. But everybody, as always, really appreciate all of you. You guys are the best. It's very much of a community feel right here. Wouldn't be here without you. And you know what? Uh, again, I can't thank you all enough. You guys are all fantastic. For John Schuster, I am Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Oh.